Thanksgiving is not a thing here, and it's my friend's not. having one, which is good, mm-hmm. but it's just going to be weird not... It's going to be we're going into work on Thanksgiving weekend and being like, I'm American. I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> I am not going home to my parents. Like, we always host Thanksgiving. But because Black Friday is such a big thing and the brewery's really close to, like, one of the big malls in Cincy, they're going to be, like, I heard they were opening early for it. And I was like, I kind of want that cash. <laughs> Capitalism ruins everything, though. I mean, get that coin. But, like, I just... Black Friday is so disgusting. Oh, I, I've never gone Black Friday shopping. I'm always like, like, my, F that. My mom and sisters do because they see it as being kind of fun, like sort of a thing, which is nice, but it's still just, I don't know, it just doesn't sit right with me. No, my dad and my like uncle and some cousins on my mom's side go, but like it's just the guys and basically they'll go, they make a day of it. They go, like, they wake, I think they wake up at, like, 7. So not ridiculously, they don't wake up ridiculously early anymore. They'll go shopping for a little bit, have a late lunch, like, have some beers, go see a movie, and then they're home for dinner. So it's, like, a full day, but it's, like, a full guy's day that they're, like, we're just going to chill. Like, no one, like, some people will be, like, oh, I kind of want this, so we should go here, and then, but it's not as big. I've never, yeah. I do. The only thing I'm gonna miss is stuffing. I freaking love stuffing. I love stuffing. I really hope they. I'll have to figure out what I'm gonna bring to this this Thanksgiving. Um, I think the Aus- the Australians understand what obviously what it is because they're not stupid and like they understand like history of other countries, but um, they don't get it. But they understand there's just large quantities of food, and so they're kind of on board with that. It's the most American thing. Do you want to eat an excessive amount of food of something that'll make you pass out and take a nap? You're probably going to fight with your family, drink too much. Um, And it's supposed to be a day we're thanking that, like, the first settlers, like, survived. Even though technically Thanksgiving, the first Thanksgiving never happened. It's all a lie. Yeah, it's everything. (laughs) Like, everything else in this dark reality right now it's just all a lie and terrible um but you know what's not terrible the trove which is what you're listening to and i'm maxwell and that person who is not me is courtney hello (laughs) uh from the cult of domesticity podcast the trove we do in the off week of relic because I will go insane if I try to make this a weekly podcast. I just don't have the time. But I also want to put out it is insanity. <laughs> but I also want to put out content. And you know, there's just really interesting stuff happening in the world of archaeology that's wild and weird and fascinating and kind of a lens into the past and human civilizations, plural. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's something that Courtney and I have been doing. Um, today has I think been three hours of recording. So yeah, we're this- getting close. Yeah, this isn't like, oh, we just sat down with some co- some cups of coffee. This is like where this is the last of the recording session. So if we sound a little bit frazzled, that's why it's about dinner time here in Sydney, and I think two a.m. where Courtney is. So. We're getting close, yeah, because Maxwell Great. is polite enough to let me finish working and then do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, because uh, time zones, uh. yeah. Gotta love them. And yet, we've discovered that the internet connection is a lot better here than it was back when we were recording in the U.S., so go figure. Uh, Courtney, what do you have? What exciting 
thing in the world of archaeology and weirdness do you have to tell us this week? So this is from August 2019, so real recent. And I love this title from the BBC. Detectorists find a huge Chew Valley Norman coin hoard. And I'm like, this has everything I love. People with metal detectors, like finding Norman stuff. And it's coins? Let's get in on this. So it's a huge load of silver coins that they figured out dates to the aftermath of the Battle of Hastings, a.k.a. Norman Conquest, Norman... uh, William the Conqueror in England, they found 2,528 silver coins in the Chew Valley, so it's northeast Somerset, by a group of metal detectorists, and... Oh, kind of near Glastonbury, maybe? I don't know where Glastonbury is. Some, yeah, Somerset's a county. Okay, yeah, I know that. Um, so it's I'm a- just wondering, because I, I was there. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Um, so Lisa Grace and Adam Staples, who did most of the unearthing, said, quote, we've been dreaming of this for 15 years and it's finally come true, end quote. So I'm like, I love these people. So appreciate your, like, local metal detectorist because who knows? They might find some stuff. The British Museum actually commented that it was the second largest find of Norman coins in the UK. Mr. Staples says, quote, to find two unrelated coins would be almost impossible and when there were more beeps from 2 to 10 to 50 to 100 to, wow, how many are there? From then on, it was just crazy, end quote. So you just imagine these guys, they're like, oh, I think I got a coin. <laughs> a lot of coins. So this is, they date back to um, six, uh, 1066, and it depicts both defeated King Harold II and the triumphant William the Conqueror. It's officially if it's declared a treasure, which I think they probably did after this, the Roman baths in Bath hope to acquire the collection of coins. Uh, as Stephen Clues said, quote, if you look at the true value of this, it's about 500 sheep. That's what you ha- would have, have been able to buy with them about a thousand years ago. It's not a sheep. Yeah. So what we need to do is translate into that into some sort of modern value, end quote. So, you know... It's divided up into two types of coins. So there's 1,236 coins of Harold II, so the last Anglo-Saxon king of England, and 1,310 coins of William I, so William the Conqueror, as well as some coin fragments. That's just crazy that there's so many. And really, the reason why they were out there that weekend, so Staples and his girlfriend, they were training five friends to use their metal detectors when they made the discovery. So imagine you're training someone. (laughs) And they're like, that's one way to do it. Yeah. So one was found, like the first coin uh, was found by a friend, but the rest were found by Staples and his partner. Um, They could be worth about five billion, which would be shared among the whole group and the land owner. They didn't leave the site until they thought they got all the coins because there was a massive thunderstorm. So they were soaking. So imagine just like, they're digging, they're keep looking for coins, they're using their metal detectors, it's pouring, they're soaking wet. Uh, Mrs. Grace, were, who's 40... Were the coins loose, or were they in a chest? Um, I believe they were loose. Okay. Like, they, pro- I think they probably were in, like, a bag, but... That had decomposed. Yeah. Okay. So, Mrs. Grace 42 joked, quote, it was like the gods didn't want to disturb the horde, we were 
uh, wet enough, wet through, but it really didn't seem to matter, end quote. Um, they're really well preserved, uh, and it doubles the number of Herald coins than all the previous known finds. So pretty much we've expanded our knowledge of it and we can look at it. Gives additional examples of the coins issued by William I after his coronation day, coronation on Christmas Day in 1666. And, you know, there's also previous unrecorded mints for both of the kings in that hall. And the, how, okay, so there's like 3,000 coins, around two, 3,000 coins in this hall. How, why are they buried? Well, they're pretty sure it was a method of tax evasion because coin makers would reuse an outdated die on one side to avoid paying a fee to obtain the updated design. And on top of that, they're really well preserved because it was good quality silver. um, And there's nothing really in the soil that's going to corrode them. So even if it was, there was a bag around there, it's not going to corrode them like if there's like iron and other components in the soil. Um... Yeah, so, and the plan is, like, uh, the Council of Bath and East, Northeast Somerset Council wants to get the coins and display them locally, as well as, like, making them on loans for exhibits so they can really be shared with the world. Wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, could you imagine if you were the first person to find it? It's, like, your first day out with your metal detector, and you're part of this. doing around. Yeah. And I am pissed because I was in that region last year and I should have, I should have found those coins. I could have paid off my student loans. <laughs> oh yeah. That definitely would help. $5 million. I think it was like a million pounds. Yeah. It's like five. I know exactly what I would do. Like I always said, if I ever got like a, just a massive sum of money, I would pay off my student loans, pay off my sister's student loans, take my family on a nice trip around the world, take my partner on a nice trip around the world. Um, pay for a master's degree or something and uh i don't know i just oh so i can't swear on my own podcast i got you with it i'll bleep it i'll bleep it it's fine um and just have a whole lot of money um it's probably something philanthropic i don't know don't know i would be a dragon i would just lay it all out and like lay on it just lay in it like scrooge mcduck deep dive into it which by the way would break every bone in your body oh it hurts so bad well my thing is also about finding something on earth but not as lucrative and kind of spooky um so archaeologists this is from Live Science. Archaeologists have identified the remains of a stone wall in Iran about the length of the famous Hadrian's Wall uh, in western Iran and uh, in Sarpole Zahab County in western Iran. The wall extends around 71 miles or 115 km- kilometers for the rest of the Sane world that doesn't use the imperial system. An estimated volume of approximately 1 million cubic meters of stone it would have required significant resources in terms of workforce, materials, and time, wrote Sajad Al-Bagai. Baigi? Darn. You were doing so well with I was these. doing so well. Uh, he's an assistant of Iranian archaeology at Razi University in Kermanshah, Iran. So basically, there's just this giant wall that's uh, some of the structures were visible, some of them weren't. The the wall's existence was unknown to archaeologists, but those living near it f- have known about for a while, calling it the Gallery Wall. 
So I think it's a case of just like remote locals, the rest of like the educated world. Well, they're educated in their own way, but like the with people with access to technology and information sharing just weren't near it. So the locals had known about it for a while. But it's strange because it was probably 13 feet high. uh, No, sorry, 13 feet wide. Oh, that's about wide. 10 feet. Yeah, about 10 feet. She's thick. And about 10 <laughs> feet high. And no one knows why it was built and what it's doing in the middle of there. They think it might have been a, uh, a, a Parthenian civilization at one point. So, like, built in, like, a common era between 247 BC and the common era of 224, which is actually pretty substantial. They would have had the resources, but otherwise they have no idea why it's there. It's not the only ancient long wall in Iran. There are others, but they're just kind of not sure why it was built, which seems weird. Um, I saw some theory on Reddit that it was built to capture livestock. Like you would chase game Uh. into the wall, essentially, and you'd basically be able to poach them that way. Um, It could have just been for defense. There's just not enough information to really go off of. But what if someone really loved walls? Someone maybe just a big fan of walls. Maybe it was Pink Floyd. Um, Gorbachev. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but yeah, that was that was cool. That's fascinating. I'm so, talking. <laughs> you know, going from a wall to a lost ship that is no longer lost. So is this what I think it is? Yeah, in August. This is big, right? Yeah. Sorry, I'm just cutting you off left and right. I'm so sorry. No, it, go di- for it. I'd rather. So this was published. Both of mine were published in August of this year, 2019, for future listeners. Um, there was an Arctic shipwreck discovered by archaeologists. It is a HMS Terror. So if you want to know the whole story of the Terror... Um, I'm going to plug my own show because, funny enough, right when this, this discovery happened, my episode on it came out. Um, it is episode 77 of The Cult of Domesticity. We cover it completely. This is from the voyage to find the Northwest Passage in 1845 by Sir John Franklin. And what they discovered was the ship is astonishingly well-preserved as uh, parks are... Uh, Parks Canadian archaeologist who used basically small remote um, operated vehicles, they're called roves, to peer inside the vessel. Because remember, it's the Arctic. It's very cold. Quote, the ship's amazingly intact. You look at it and find it hard to believe this is a 170-year-old shipwreck. You just don't see this kind of thing very often, end quote, says Ryan Harris, the lead archaeologist on the project. They discovered it in 2016 um, off king williams island in canada's far north and they haven't had a chance to really look at it until now really it's because calm seas and good underwater visibility they were able to um combine a team from parks canada and the inuit to make a series of seven dives into the wreck they worked quickly because it is very like i said very cold they put They got divers down there with the miniature ropes to go into the opening of the main hatchway and the skylights in the crew's cabin, officer's mess, and uh, captain's state quarters. They explored 20 cabins and compartments. They went room from room, 
And it was, I guess, really creepy because all the doors were wide open except for one, which was the captain's uh, office. So dinner plates and glasses still on shelves, beds and desks were in order. Scientific uh, instruments were in their cases. Uh, They saw possible journals and charts and, you know, kind of early photographs preserved under sediments. It's just like... How creepy is it? No one's been there for 170 years and all these doors are open that you can just like wander in. Or have they? Done. Oh my God. That's like Slender Man. That sounds like some Slender Man uh, BS. So it was an archaeologist's delight. You know, you got the dinner plates and the glasses still on the shelves, like preserved. And there's pictures of this as well. Um, the beds and the desks were still in order. They have their scientific instruments in the cases, you know, possibly like journals, charts and other like cool stuff like early photographs. Quote, those blankets of sediment together with the cold water and darkness create a near perfect anaerobic environment that's ideal for preserving delicate organics such as textiles or paper. End quote, says Harrow's. So like they possibly could still find clothing documents, um, possibly still even lead like legible like rolled or folded charts in the captain's cupboard might have survived so it's literally a treasure trove maxwell i'm here for it i know so i think i mentioned this there's only one area that wasn't open because it's closed okay so the captain's sleeping quarters it's his door was closed Mm. it's the only closed door on the ship do we know what so because I know that there was a series recently on the terror, kind of a fictionalized yeah. account. Do we know what happened to the real terror? Can you actually maybe just give like a, like a less than 20 second rundown on why this is a big deal and what this ship was for people who don't know? So basically it was a it was one of the most expensive journeys to discover the Northwest Passage by the British. They put all this money in. They sent this crew out. And they never came back. They never came back. No one ever knew what happened to them. We have found bodies. Um, Basically, there's some people have died. There was some cannibalism, which is funny because Lindsay from 33% Pulp covers this. And the first two times she was on my show, both things had to do with cannibalism. And then some of them have integrated into the Inuit population. So basically, they got stuck. They were kind of dumb took unnecessary things off the boat and kept walking and yeah it was it was a bit of a hot mess <laughs> but if you want to know more like i said earlier episode 77 of the cult of domesticity it's about 45 let me actually give you the exact time um it is oh it's about an hour and a half under an hour and a half on the terror <laughs> so there's a lot to cover in that it's very extensive but that's a brief coverage of it so, we have the terror again. Yes. So, on top of it, there's possible pictures that they took on there, because there's a Derek-type apparatus on board, which means the glass plates for it could still be there, which is incredible, because no one's ever seen them. And it's possible to develop them, because it's been done before. You know, it's just... it's It brings a smile to your face. Like, not the actual story, because the actual story is bizarre and messed up. But the fact that everything is so perfectly preserved that you can just, like, they went down there. And there's, like, if you look at the pictures of it, like, 
like everything is still there like the the plates are in place like they were going to go dine again take them out and like put them on the table it's insane there's it's so (laughs) it's interesting too so there's a fictionalized account of the terror called the terror that was a tv adaptation of a book for amc and what's weird is you're talking about doing stuff with internment camps, like the Japanese internment camps. The next one is that. Is about that. Yeah. Because I guess they're doing kind of an American horror story thing where yes. each season will be a different. So I don't know why they're still calling it the terror, but. It's a horror guess... theme. Well, yeah, with a name like that. Mm. Makes sense. And what's even weirder yes. is my next episode. Not my next episode. My next the final segment in this disaster of a episode where we're getting knocked offline and computers are crashing is actually has to do with Japan, kind of. So this is reported in the Asahi Shimbun. Asahi is a type of beer, so I'm really confused. It's a beer and a newspaper. I don't know if those two are related, but um, there is a team from Japan that found 143 basically new Nazca lines. So the Nazca lines are these quote unquote mysterious tracts of disturbed earth in Nazca, Peru, kind of like in this flat, dry valley bed. And when you look at them from ground level, they just look like lines in the sand. But then when you go up really, really, really high, like by way of a balloon like a hot air balloon or a plane you realize they make giant pictures Ooh! and uh do you know about this did you ever hear about this before i I think briefly i don't what i know about peru really is based on the 20th century and not great things because i have a tendency to like you know people who do military death camps i like learning about it it's not great i'm not saying it's great but I like learning about it, and it makes me depressed. Yeah, it'll do it. <laughs> so um, essentially, the the Nazca lines are kind of part of this whole package of things like the Loch Ness monster okay. or Bigfoot or the Bermuda Triangle, like things that were from like mm-hmm. In Search of, like Leonard Nimoy's show In Search of from the seventies. This kind of like weird ancient mysteries. Uh, mm-hmm. Collective okay. of who's who's. It's not that wasn't really good English at all, but it's like that kind of like old school Fortiana, like the okay. you know the most famous ones, um, because there's just these bunch of mysterious giant pictures in the desert that you can only see from vantage points that were not accessible to the people who had made them. So who are the, the big spooky question is who are they making these giant pictures for if they themselves couldn't see them? Yeah. On Earth. Um, so one camp says they were doing them for the gods that they believed in because gods being above mm-hmm. can see them. And, you know, pictures are nice. Who doesn't love pictures and art? Yeah. And clearly if you're making that you know, as sort of a, as a tribute, you're going to, you know, send good things down to the terrestrial people. And of course the other, do you see where I'm going with this? Do you see where I'm going with this? Is it aliens? The other thing is, it's aliens. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the, the aliens. Meme, the meat, literally the meme, it's aliens. Oh my God. Um, so they think that they did this for aliens and there's all these other weird 
mm. theories around it where like some of the lines are actually where what ufos used to spaceships used to take off like essentially the nazca lines are a earthbound airport terminal for flying saucers and ancient uh, astronauts that is one of the theories so Yamagata University studied the area between 2016 and 2018 and just recently, like literally in the last two days, this yeah. is like fresh off the presses. You can they, feel the heat. Yes. And it's Nazca, Peru. So it is very hot. Um, <laughs> they found, so the general consensus was there's like a handful of these really cool, like there's one that's in like an eagle glyph there's okay. one that's like a man there's one that might be an alien but is probably just a person mm-hmm. you know well they found get this uh 143 new ones using the latest technology so most of these were preserved because there's not a lot of meteorological activity in okay. this very dry part of peru but with more aerial footage and probably the LIDAR or whatever, radio, the Yeah, LIDAR and probably the increased satellite imagery radar. we have. But, which, I mean, it's fascinating. Now we can get down to, like, some of the satellite imagery is so good. You can get to, like, a couple inches. Which is so crazy. Well, they used AI with this as well. Okay. So up until this point, it was thought that maybe 80 or so geoglyphs existed um, in various stages and various conditions. Um, the the images this time were – they found more of them, and now they believe that there's like maybe 500, which is ridiculous. And they think that they were created in 100 BC to as early as 300 Common Era, which is a pre, again a pretty a relatively substantial yeah um, variance or, or a range. So yeah, it's it's very it's very weird. No one really knows a whole lot about the Nazca lines, which would, which makes them so mysterious. Is like basically the big question is why. Um, yeah, so more spooky geoglyphs that are giant and can only be seen via means that the people who made them didn't have access to. Um, actually, I'm contradicting myself. One of the debunking theory is that if you do go to a certain point, you can see them. Like there's a, there's okay. like a hill or a mountain that was maybe just not initially apparent to the people who kind of dis- rediscovered the Nazca lines, but there's an argument that the people could actually go up to some sort of higher elevation, look down and see the Nazca lines. So, yep. That's, that's blowing my mind. It might be because it's 2:30, but <laughs> I mean, what what at this point? <laughs> That is crazy, though, to think, like, oh, there's this many, and then they're using technology. That... Can you just imagine? It's like the pic- the meme of the girl who, what is it, they discovered a black hole or something? Like, they got the first picture of a black hole, and she's just sitting there like, oh, my God! Guys! We did it! Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was big news. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe this will further our understanding of, you know, maybe there's, like, some elements here that will help us kind of connect more information to what the whole deal is with those those freaky drawings in the middle of the desert plains of Nazca. It just reminds me of people who do that in the snow. 
Like, <laughs> there was someone who drew like a spider web, I think, up in Cleveland in the snow because they got like a bunch of snow. And I'm just like, how did like he couldn't like people in like other buildings could see it, but he couldn't see it. Like, how did he know what he was doing? How do you not mess Maybe up? That answers the question. Who knows? People just draw uh, like, drawing shapes. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, where can people find you? Hopefully soon in bed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. Um, You can find me anywhere you listen to podcasts for the cult of domesticity on Facebook and Twitter at Domestic Podcast and on Instagram at the cult of domesticity. There's lots of fun things. I've been starting to do a new series called Cook With Me, where when I make fun things, I bring you along on my Instagram story. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So you can learn Spanking. some cooking things or watch me fail at things. You know. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Courtney. I really appreciate it. Oh, of let's, course. Anytime. Let's end this and go to bed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye.